Hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossman, and joining me today is a brand new rock star. I'm excited to get to know him. He's the president of StatWax, and I love in his bio, it says he comes from a background of using digital data and general nerdiness to uh, help businesses get more from their marketing dollars. So Brian Walker, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Kirby. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when you talk about data and digital and all that sort of thing, there's just so much data out there. And sometimes I think for somebody like me, it can be a little bit intimidating. So how can we use this data to become a better marketer? Sure. It's um, intimidating is a great word for it. You know, analysis paralysis, I think Mm -hmm. is is the big cliche. And, And we often say like the the best and worst thing to happen to marketing is like this big data concept because right. now everyone wants to take every metric and try and have it all make sense at once. Uh, <laughs> and, and ultimately, like you just end up with playing like the data version of buzzword bingo in reports and everything. Um, and, 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 you know, the stance that we've taken is, is there is such thing as too much data, right? There's mm. a sweet spot a little bit. Um, it's not about making all of the data fit some kind of narrative. Um, Mm. You have to first figure out what metrics actually matter for which part are you trying to measure? Um, If we, if we have a client who's, who's asking how this top of funnel awareness building went, we can't just immediately say, well, let's look at your closed customers and their lifetime revenue. And let's try and trace all of that back. Like at some point, sure. But where in that journey are you trying to look at, to make sense of, you know, Mm -hmm. at what point, is it actually important to say who saw and engaged with this ad messaging, regardless mm-hmm. of what they did afterwards, or who downloaded a case study, regardless of whether they became a customer of X product here? Mm-hmm. If you're way down funnel and you have all of those systems talking to each other, you can start to then build that attribution and say, well, here's the revenue, here are the customers, et cetera. But I think the place where marketers start to get that analysis paralysis a little bit is at every step of that marketing funnel, they're trying to tie vanity metrics to way downstream business metrics Mm to customer profiles and all of that. And sometimes a view of a thought leadership piece really is just a view of a thought leadership piece. And you Mm -hmm. need to give it time to play out some and not try and force the narrative. So, you know, we definitely try and say, take a step back, start simpler and say for this initiative right now, what is the key outcome we want of it? Yeah. And what are the half dozen metrics or pieces of data that are going to most help us understand that? We'll bring in the rest later, but doing it all at once it tends to be a recipe for overanalyzing, I would say. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I think part like Seth Godin talks about the difference between brand marketing and direct marketing in uh, the book, This Is Marketing. And he, like, when he talked about that difference and how like there's value in both, but you can't measure them the same. Mm-hmm. And th- that, that brought some clarity to me. And that sounds a little bit like sometimes reach is just reach. And sometimes, you know, a sale is a sale and it, you know, it's hard to connect the two. Exactly. And, and, you know, I will say a lot of times um, the best work that can be done to combat that is to also educate leadership on that concept a little bit mm, because yeah. that big data component, you know, every as an agency, every SaaS B2B client who comes in would immediately love on, on day three 
to see the full scope of how did every marketing penny lead to customers and all of that. And that's a great place to eventually end up. But at a certain point, that educational aspect, uh, it needs to take place and can often be so helpful, exactly as you said, mm-hmm. brand and direct, you know, product and, and user-led versus just some awareness building. These are all different silos that help your company, but people hear about the data and attribution and they immediately think from day one, Every metric I can see should all play and integrate together and tell me a story. And yeah. obviously that just can't happen. Yeah, that's not the way it works. But that's good. So I'm curious because I think in many organizations, there's a gap between that marketing and that data and sales, right? Which is weird. You'd think they would totally uh, walk hand in hand, but in most organizations, that's not true. So how, how does an organization bridge that gap? Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's it's two teams that need to work so well together. And as you said, it's typically like oil and water, uh, basically. It's like, <laughs> you know, like the anchorman brawl between the different <laughs> TV stations a little bit. Um, and honestly, it sounds so cliche, but I have found over time that sometimes just some open communication and educating can really break down a lot of those barriers. Because what I find that the sales team doesn't necessarily always know is what marketing, especially digital, is able to see and control. And what digital doesn't often go far enough to ask is what knowledge does sales hold that can influence what they're doing? And again, it seems so very simple, but uh, as an example, one thing that that I have our team always do when we first start you know, with a new client is grab a couple of their top sales, their top biz dev folks, and just say to them, don't tell me what people like best about your product can you tell me why you're hearing someone isn't buying from you after you have the conversation? Why did they go to that competitor? Let us try and figure out what pain point came up after marketing grabbed them, after they filled out a lead, what did they end up not liking or getting cold feet on? Now, sales, did you know that marketing can take that and actually very deliberately put that messaging and that value differentiator in market against that? before you ever have a conversation mm-hmm. so that we can cut down on the number of times that might become a, a pain point. And oftentimes sales doesn't necessarily understand that we can look in the data and tell them your best customers actually looked at this case study and viewed this product demo video before talking to you. And the ones who ultimately didn't become customers never saw these things. Would that help you maybe deploy assets better in the future? And all of a sudden, these things that we sometimes take for granted as marketers that are just known in the space, you see the light bulbs go on of, oh, wow. So if I'm hearing this in a conversation and give that to you, you can maybe cut off that pain point before I even have to deal with that obstacle. Um, And it starts to break those silos down a little bit. I love it. That's really good advice. So- Back to the data thing, right? Sorry, obviously I'm obsessed with the data just like everybody else, right? But I've seen that you've talked about when you're measuring it, there's like four must-have elements for a dashboard of digital marketing. So what mm-hmm. what should we be measuring? Yeah, so ultimately the goal should be um, that the metrics that you're measuring on the ad engagement side are, are there but don't make the dashboard all about your, your ad engagement. If you're spending money on paid search on, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, et cetera, it, it's good to go somewhere and see like your cost per click and you know your, your ad frequency and stuff. 
that's really for marketing side to make decisions on. Is the messaging getting stale? Are competitors creeping into the space and we can adjust bid strategies? I think what the end client and leadership and decision makers need to see needs to really be more about what was the end eventual outcome of those dollars that were spent. So if the CRM system, if the things that happen after someone hits submit on a lead form or a demo request, if those couple key milestones are not being shown in the dashboard next to the marketing that generated them, Mm -hmm. then that dashboard and those metrics are really only going to apply to and be interesting to other like-minded marketers. Mm. And eventually at VP, director, CMO level, someone in leadership is going to need to say, well, what happened with all those leads? And, right. and so turning, turning lead volume into a bit of a vanity metric because you can see closed, lost, disqualified, and, and even revenue ultimately, that's the biggest piece. So if I could distill it down to a couple some sort of key post-lead milestone. If it can't be customer because of lag time or the integration is just not there, even just were they qualified or not, Mm -hmm. measuring that up against your digital campaigns and their total spend would be great. But we have also found a lot of value in time to milestone. So Hmm. so if if your listeners are are big on HubSpot, Salesforce, et cetera, a number of CRMs uh, kind of have it baked in already. Sometimes it takes a little bit of customization but if you can timestamp when that record moved to the next stage, those are elements that can be pulled into a dashboard. And so we'll sit down and say, you know what? When people are filling out for a demo or a lead from these campaigns, they're actually moving from conversation one to demo to close twice as fast as this other cohort. Let's dig into why that is. Let's figure that out. And suddenly it's not just about money savings, but also time efficiency savings. And it really helps business decision makers um, do better planning for sales personnel needs and how they schedule conversations and when they should reach back out on cold ones and things of that nature. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Again, it's fascinating when you start thinking about all the things you can measure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it, at some point, though, you put something out there and it, it might get stale, right? So how, what is some advice that you give to keep your marketing from getting stale, getting old? Absolutely. Um, a, a couple approaches to that. One, if anyone out there is, is running or has run some of their own ads, will be very simple. And it's kind of that ads frequency piece. Um, you know, how, how often are the same users seeing ads? Um, if you mm-hmm. see your frequency on a LinkedIn or a Facebook start to really creep up beyond what it normally is, it might be time to, to wholesale change and tweak some messaging. Just get something fresh to the same audience. But okay. if, if we get into the data a little more than that, that piece we were just touching on with like the time lag could be a great indicator. If you have remarketing running to like a 30-day window of past you know 30-day folks, and your CRM or your business data says that on average, leads from digital move to the next stage in four days, chances are past day 15, if you're seeing multiple frequency points on those ads, you're probably not doing yourself any favors. Mm. Reduce the window, add some more variations in and turn it into a little more of a drip campaign. Um, But in all honesty, I think one of the biggest things that we're starting to see a shift toward in the digital space, and it's wonderful to see because it used to be a lot more difficult 
uh, to convince businesses of this is take your budget, take your ad spend budget, carve out a small piece. It doesn't have to be huge, um, but always have a piece each month that's only designed for testing new things that is not held to your core business metrics, i.e., if I've got, let's say I have a hundred grand a month in, in ad spend and I'm taking five grand of that for this piece, that five grand is not going to influence my all up cost per customer, cost per acquisition. It's just for testing. And yeah. if the testing doesn't work, that's not a failure. That's a learning about what shouldn't be incorporated going forward because mm. ultimately we feel you can change your messaging, you can change your creative as much as you want. But where the, the, the industry is really heading is what new channels are you reaching your prospects on that they haven't seen you yet before? And when you keep adding testing into those new ad formats and new channels for outreach, that's when things really start to get freshened up because you have a whole new area you can now explore when they're in a different mindset, a different mm-hmm. stage of that funnel Um where just changing up your, your LinkedIn ad copy all day long, at the end of the day, is still going to be a LinkedIn ad in their newsfeed. It's right. still going to have familiarity with it. So that testing piece, the biggest fear around that is always, if it doesn't work, what does that do to my performance goals and my metrics? You have to get the buy-in that if nothing comes of this, it's not a failure. It's a key business and marketing learning, right. and not to let it uh, produce fear and suddenly pull back three days in. If you can let it play out, you could learn so much about ways to freshen up how you're reaching and where you're reaching your target market. Man, this is this has been awesome, Brian. Like, this I is appreciate a, it. Yeah, deep dive, like a little MBA in digital marketing. I, I've really enjoyed this. Um, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, we'll have to do it again, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate it, Kirby. Thank you so much. All right, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time.